Oh, that's a pin that says bite me. A pin with the character from imaginary friend's house or whatever. Oh, there's a caption. Button. I like my boys. Cold, dead and sparkly. Ooh, okay. Well, good news. I've got a My Chemical Romance video for you. I hate this town. I hate this fucking town. I don't even want to be in this town. Dreams too big for this town. Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a pop punk and emo pop archaeology podcast. I'm as always Elaine, and with me there is another human being. It's me, I'm Sybil. Are you a vampire today, Sable? Uh, I could be. Hold on, let me see how blood tastes. Not a fan of that. No, no I'm not. Okay. Sort of metallically, right, blood? It definitely got a... it's like licking pennies, yeah. So this is the question. Like, you said that blood didn't taste good, but I think if you're a vampire, urine blood doesn't taste good, because otherwise that'd be too easy. I also don't know if that would feed you. It's like... nope, not gonna say that on a recording. Nope. Also, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's fun because I'm actually running a Vampire the Masquerade campaign. I, I, I think Gerard Way would enjoy it. It's a vampire murder mystery. I feel like that is half of his comic book, so yes. <laughs> uh, anyhow, today, as you might have imagined from this intro... We are talking about the debut record of My Chemical Romance from 2002. I brought you my bullets, you brought me your love. Which, first of all, great title. Really into the title. I think we're starting to get into that point of emo where they're getting really good at giving names to things. Like they have this vaguely long and convoluted titles for songs and records and like, I'm all for that. That's awesome. I do it with my games too. It's cool. Check out my itch.io at actuallythemoon.itch.io. I have a game about overeating and feeling a stomachache when you wake up. And I opened up the back of one of the volumes on my desk to pick out other My Chemical Romance titles that we may hear on future albums, like The Combat Baker and Automaton Waitress. If it's for my daughter, I'd even defeat a demon lord. Oh, are we doing light novels again? I am, because they're right here. Also, half of these do sound like they could be my chemical romance titles, such as Middle-Aged Businessmen, Arise in Another World. And? Give me one or two. Uh, give me a two. Okay, then the final one we're going with is Sexiled. My sexist party leader kicked me out, so I teamed up with a mythical sorceress. <laughs> that one sounds fun. Uh, it's actually supposed to be garbage, by all accounts, because I was tempted by the title. I mean, you are a fan of garbage. But the band and the general, like, concept, I think? Yep, right here is a nice collector's edition of No Gods, No Masters within Reach. Are we a video game podcast again? <laughs> we basically are, because My Chemical Romance is one of the most hot topic, buy your Funko Pops here bands 
in a good and a bad way. Yeah, I... So, My Chemical Romance is, like, a very outwardly, like, dorky band. Like, they like vampires and, like, horror movies. And it's like, okay, you're nerds. And they have... But they're, like, theater kids nerds. Like, they have this flair for the theatric. So they don't look as... Well, to teenagers, they don't look as lame as they would be uh, if they were just an nerdcore band. I feel like the ultimate summary of the aesthetic of My Chemical Romance is that the centerpiece of the band, singer-songwriter Gerard Way, is a guy who became an infamous and powerful rock star just so he could get a job writing comics. Hmm, Yeah. That is fair. He literally puts the band on hold because he wants to start writing comics. I mean, just talking about previous experience with the band, as we used to do, and then we forgot that that was a thing, um, I was into ke- My Chemical Romance around the time of the Black Parade. I think that I, I own that record somewhere. Um, I think they're pretty good. I think in retrospect... So the Black Parade is sort of the pop punk slash emo pop that like music snobs are like allowed to like because it's actually sort of like weird and interesting. Uh, on retrospect, as someone who like ended up not really listening to them for like a long period of time after I was a teenager and then like a couple years ago just went through the discography again and just listened a bunch of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And the discography is like for records, so it's not even big. Um, I actually think their second record is their best record. I think Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is, like, a fantastic, like, just punk, melodic, hardcore record. It's just, like, really fun and energetic and really, like, edgy in that teenage sort of, ooh, edgy way. Hmm. Uh, The Black Parade, in retrospect, is, um, it's not bad. It's actually a pretty good record, but it's definitely flawed. I don't think... I don't think nowadays it hits as well as it does as it did at the time, uh, but I guess we'll get to those. We have this. I, I like it. In conclusion, I like My Chemical Romance. Their first record is probably my least favorite one of them. I never listened to it before, like doing my whole re-listen a couple of years ago, and uh, I think it's a weak record. I think it shows promise, but it's very rough and it doesn't compare very well to what they did later they're definitely lacking that pop edge here but i like my chemical romance they're cool they're um they're very dorky in a way that i appreciate and especially as they move on they they really have sort of not an ironic but they really have sort of like that wink and a nod you know thing they're not they don't they Okay, even when they talk about, like, we're gonna get into that, even when they talk about, like, really shitty things, it's never, it doesn't ever feel like, you know, Taking Back Sunday, when you're like, oh, this is, this is shitty, this is, like, a shitty person. It always feels like, you know, shock value, it always feels like that kind of, like, edgy shock value that sort of, like, assaults you a bit, because it's clearly, like, fictional. So, I don't know. I like them. What's your experience with My Chemical Romance, Sibyl? I have only heard, prior to this week, their final album, 
uh, Dangerous Days, The Something Lives of the Killjoys. And I only got into it because of the fact that they roped in the I had much more respect for them at the time author Grant Morrison to appear as the villain in a series of videos. It was a very proggy concept album. I did like the music, but it never translated into me going back and hearing more because shortly after all this, the band went on hiatus and Way became a comics author. Yeah, I haven't read anything modern by Grant Morrison. I think the last thing I read chronologically by Grant Morrison was his Batman run, which I think was brilliant, but Mm -hmm. I don't think I've read any of the new stuff. So, yeah, I'm sad if they started writing garbage because they're my favorite comic book author. I don't know that garbage is what I would describe it as, but their output has definitely dropped uh, significantly from the you-know-you're-guaranteed-a-banger, especially when they start talking about how their Green Lantern story is a police procedural that's going to have some South Park influence, Uh, and it's just not good. Do we want to talk about the brief history of how My Chemical Romance came to be? Let's do it. You like D&D, Audrey Hepburn, Fangoria, Harry Houdini, and Croquet. You can't swim, you can't dance, and you don't know karate. Face it, you're never gonna make it. I don't wanna make it. I just wanna. In 2001, Gerard Way sees the towers fall and he goes, Wow, you know what that debris hitting the ground sounds like? Drums. You know who knows drums? My buddy Matt Pelliser. We should start a band together. So Ray Toro is recruited as the band's guitarist because he has a double neck that looks just like the Twin Towers. And at the time, (laughs) Way couldn't sing and play the guitar simultaneously. So this meant that he had to use the one mic, sort of like the Pentagon. The name of the band was suggested by <laughs> bass guitarist Mikey Way, Gerard's younger brother, who worked in a Barnes & Noble at the time, and he loved the title of Irvine Welsh's Ecstasy, Three Tales of Chemical Romance. After hearing the demo and dropping out of college, Mikey Way decided to join the band because nepotism is everywhere, even in the indie space. While with Eyeball Records, the band met Frank Iero, the lead vocalist and guitarist for Pensy Prep. When they split up in 2002, Eero became a member of My Chemical Romance just days prior to the recording of this album, I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love. But he only provides guitar work on a few songs. Yep, the album will be produced by Geoff Geoff Rickley of Thursday. We love him, he's great. (laughs) What? I'm not... This is not my native language. Names are hard. Pronounce it like Goof, the uh, the Gundam. <laughs> uh, sure. Goof Rickley of Goof. Thursday. <laughs> That's a Gundam name if I've ever heard one. <laughs> would, would Thursday be like the faction in this case? I know Gundam has a lot of factions doing things. Goof Rickley, the leader of Thursday, has decided that his lieutenant, Shot Weapon, will be taking base on the stage. <laughs> Anyhow... 
Anyhow, I brought you my bullets, you brought me your love, will not chart significantly in the US, but it will lead the band to some decent touring, supporting bands like Avenger the Sevenfold, uh, and eventually got a major label contract, but that's 2004. Uh, for now we talk about this record, I brought you my bullets, you brought me your love. There's nothing much to talk about their history, they were like, Two Towers fell, let's make an emo record. And then they made it, and it was released, and people liked it. And Mark Wahlberg was there for a minute, yo. You can't talk about 9-11 without talking about Mark Wahlberg. I don't get that reference, actually, but let's go and talk about the first song. Oh, you've never heard Mark Wahlberg saying that if he were on that plane, no one would have hijacked it? I have not! <laughs> oh yeah, Mark Wahlberg thinks he could have single-handedly stopped 9-11. <laughs> To be fair, that is the most Mark Wahlberg thing I ever heard. Um, it is very Boston. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Let us talk about romance. Not the abstract concept, the little intro this record has. is an acoustic cover of a piece that you might know as Spanish Romance, 19th century thing, which means that you can cover it without having to pay anyone. Uh, the genius knows that it was probably used because Jaraguay is really into Dawn of the Dead and zombie movies, and this song was in that film, so yeah. Also, I was surprised that this one starts out the same way as Killjoys, where it's got the radio crackle thing going over the entire track. On that album, it makes sense because there's a DJ narrating the story to you. This one is just like, oh, I guess he just really likes that. Yeah, no, this is just a random intro. I don't think it ever comes back as a theme or even as a sound later. This is just like, have this little acoustic intro and then just a bunch of like really harsh emo stuff. So, well, emo pop stuff, poster chord. <sighs> so, you know. Let's get on to the really fun one with... Honey, this mirror isn't big enough for the two of us. Cocaine song. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sort of. No, he's openly said that. I mean, it, it, it is, but... So here's the thing. I don't generally trust, like, when the bands have the little banter before songs and they go, this song is about this. And it's like, uh, is it, though? Look. Is it? 
given the lyrics, the title, and some interview quotes, I will believe Gerard Way saying this song is about sucking dick for cocaine. Okay, I, I guess I'm just used to John Darnielle, who like purposefully like says this song is something different every time he introduces a song. So it's like, yeah. The title is explicitly, hey, we can't both snort this coke off this tiny mirror. Now, that said, the vocal mixing is a nightmare here. Oh, on all of the record, like... We love the guy from Thursday. Please stop producing records. This sounds like ass. Or like maybe practice more. Mm, yeah, it's really muddy. Like the all of the levels are weird. There are some backing vocals on this song that are high, mixed higher than the main vocals. I thought people were screaming outside my window when that started happening. Yeah, same. I mean, people were screaming outside of my window because football is going on today, but... I thought other people were screaming outside my window. Yeah, y'all made the queen sad. She's just driving people over in London in her little funny car. I just know that people played trumpets for like an hour after the thing ended. Well, I'm assuming we won. I think that they wouldn't be playing trumpets if we lost, but I don't know what it was about. Oh yeah, you you all kicked England's ass pretty hard. Uh, everyone in Ireland is officially Italian today. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry for you, but okay. <laughs> sorry, we're claiming that. We want this victory. I mean, we're... we're it's fine. Can I be Irish then? It, you can be Irish. I will offer it Wait, to Wait, never you. mind. I, well, actually, never mind. Ireland has terrible trans healthcare. I've heard about it recently. Never mind then. They're slowly working their way up. They're, they're undoing the church. Anyhow, this song. This song is the most, like, three-cheers song in the record, I think. Um... Three cheers are more interesting stuff. All of this record has like very sort of basic guitar going on, if you really listen to it. Like the guitar almost sounds slower than the rest of the song in a lot of this track, which is fine. They were kid, I assume, or at least fairly young. And uh, Yero wasn't yet a full-time guitarist, and I think it was like the lead guitarist for the other records. But yeah, the guitar is still not yet there. But aside from that, like, melodically, this sounds very three cheers. There is, like, lots of good drumming on this. And Gerard Way just killing it on the voice. Like, you can like him or you can not like him, but he has, like, fucking charisma thing. Like, just vocal charisma, which is, like, this very abstract concept that I feel is sometimes overlooked. Like, he sounds like he's giving him, giving it his all. And that's great. Um, I don't know. I like this song. I feel this is sort of a cross between Thursday. We, we've said the same about the used. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the same of a cross between Thursday and Taking Back Sunday. It has that sort of um structural diversity that Thursday had and a lot of more harshness. But a lot of the melodies are very Taking Back Sunday. The little melodic bridges are very Taking Back Sunday. And, uh, you know, you throw in some AFI in there that's, for all of the That's where I stuff. was going to go, was the AFI instead of Taking Back Sunday. Yeah, they are less... I feel they are less classic punk than the one record we listened from AFI. Like, the one record that we listened from AFI was really, like, old-school punk, in a way, musically. That's fair. Um, But, yeah, they definitely have that, you know, we're going to talk about vampires today. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh... We're also going to dip in and out of the horror genre, so uh, depending on what Ellie does, there might be a content warning for some things. 
Have you ever seen Audition? Yeah, the um, the video is basically like a remake of Audition. They just do Audition again, the movie. Yeah, straight up, continually with uh, a bunch of Asian actresses in the role and a couple of people just playing the schmucky producers. It's just like Gerard Way put himself in the middle of this classic Mike horror film. <laughs> I say that Gerard Way is basically a dark that like the band of the whole is like oh I feel like I would love to do a rail with the members of my chemical romance and go out on the town for a weekend <laughs> is do a rail like slang for cocaine oh yes okay I would also drink with them if you know soberer but yeah I was I feel like if you're giving me the one chance I want to go all the way yeah, my brain was like, that is either slang for cocaine or a sex thing. Uh, you can do a rail off of a hooker's ass crack, I've been told. <laughs> oh, Adam, please come back. <laughs> the summer vacation arc continues. <laughs> There's a question I had for myself listening to this, which is, these days, I really enjoyed this album. Uh, I won't go into the whole thing, but I was asking myself listening to this, in 2002 would I have enjoyed this track? And I don't think so. I don't think you would have, because it was, I guess not in 2002, but once My Chemical Romance were popular, it was extremely not cool to like them, unless you were specifically like, you know, an emo kid, like at least a pop emo kid. You know, unless you specifically had Gerard Way's hair at the time, you were not allowed to like them. Uh, I had aggressive straight guy hair at the time, so no. Mm, yeah. I kept it very short and tight, almost like I was a Johnny Unitas. Um, but yeah, no, this song is one of the best on the record. I get why it was a single. They're not quite there. Like, nothing on this record is as memorable or as catchy as any of the tracks on Three Cheers, but they have energy. There is, like, almost a good hook in this. There are pop melodies. Like, it works. This is one of my favorite songs here. Also, I love the chorus because I've had those messy breakups. And you can't keep my brother and you won't fuck my friends. This whole thing. Yeah, been there. I mean, this also sounds like low-key about killing someone, like most of the songs on this record, so yeah. I did not turn on the kill count for this one, but fan favorite. I think it would break if we killed... Like, the their second record, this ex Creature for Sweet Revenge, is specifically like about killing a thousand people for the devil. So, is it bad that I'm about to tell you, starting with the next track, that I think Dilbert Ghost wrote this album? <laughs> what? Like, not Scott Adams, but Dilbert? I... Let's go to the next track, because I need to hear this, and, uh... And yeah, vampires will never hurt you. Which is false. If you ever played Vampire the Masquerade, vampires will hurt you. Or any other World of Darkness game, vampires will hurt you.
Anyhow, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to throw out there that especially with the band dressed up in a lot of tuxedos and very office workery attire, uh, this combined with a few other tracks on here just give me very early Dilbert vibes. Sure, I... I will admit, I am not a lore expert on Dilbert. Uh, I am more familiar with the writer of Dilbert for the most recent exploit of his career. Yeah, ever since the Dilberito. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, let me make your day. So, in the 2000s, Scott Adams tried creating a frozen vegan food, the Dilberito. It bombed heavily because, A, it was apparently mixed very poorly. Like, it gave people horrendous gas by all accounts due to something in it. And B, this is when he really started going off the deep end because he claimed it failed because Big Frozen Pizza was going to grocery stores and putting the boxes behind other things to hide them. And he saw evidence of this. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, so this was the first time where it's like, oh, my man's bad shit. Anyway, he then got uh, a one divorce and failed, closed two restaurants and has become just a complete dissociated from reality QAnon type. It's wild. Oh, yeah, I, I'm aware of his recent, like, political comics things that he does. And a YouTube podcast. No, we're not... No, that wasn't a good joke. We're not going there. We're not going there. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, no. Uh, Vampires Will Never Hurt You has a video where they're all dressed up in suits and ties, and Gerard has way too much makeup on, but only in some shots. Like, he goes from a little pale to I am a mime, depending on what lighting they're using. I mean, you have to put... Too much makeup on if you want to be a god. That's the whole point. Okay, but he's not doing it evenly. It's just his face, because you can see his neck right beneath it. It's like, oh yeah, that's still pink. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's sloppy. At least a goth will try to blend. That is fair. I mean, I did the same thing with foundation a couple of days ago, because I need to cover my awful burnt shade. Um, It's not pretty. Uh, you and I understand that together. Somewhere Adam's just going, yeah, I would kill for a beard. Yeah, I forgot to put like put it like on half of my forehead. So then I went to the mirror after like fixing it and it was like I had a two color forehead. Nice. Halloween in July. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. If this podcast tells you anything, kids, never put your foundation in a hurry because it will fuck you up for the rest of the day. <laughs> It's true, especially if it's hot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of being hot, the sun going down and ways of just being a vampire and whether or not you want to be one of those is constantly coming up. Uh, the church is terrible, but also your savior, but also not because you don't want to be normal. You want to be a vampire. I mean, the mountain ghost did this song. Just to be a stereotype, and it was called Them This Vampires. Uh, I feel it was better than this song. I will say, this is one of the three longest tracks on the album at five and a half minutes. And it didn't drag. 
Uh, this is one of my least favorite songs on the record, to be honest. I think that Someone Take Me to a Doctor bit would be a really decent chorus, but the rest of the structure of the song is sort of all over the place. This is like they were trying to be Thursday, but they didn't have any idea what they were doing, in that it's a very structureless song with this like central chorus piece. And um, it doesn't really work for me. I think the chorus is the strongest part of the song and the song doesn't emphasize it at all. Disjointed is how I would describe this because I like the energy. I enjoy this track. Yeah, there are a couple of like chugga chugga breakdown around, which are interesting. And there are like some calmer bit, but eh, they don't come together. But it, it is rougher. It's not to the level of skill of a Thursday track. And also, this is where I need to mention the woman who has the weird studded dildo case in the video. <laughs> She's just got this box that looks like it would hold a really nice sex toy that you would padlock and hide away. It's got studs all over it. Why? But you never see inside it. I think they're supposed to be going, oh, this is where the stake is hidden, but... It just looks like a fine dildo display case. Okay, why do you padlock away your sex toys, though? You don't want people to grab them and use them. Will people just randomly grab them if you don't padlock them? Is that how, like, all society works? <laughs> the people I've known and invited to my house. Okay, then. I've learned something today. <laughs> have you never had people just rifle through your sex toys, Ellie? I don't have any. Okay, well, I found what differs between us. <laughs> but it, I would not expect people to do that. I. Well, especially if you've got ones that look like some kind of weird art piece. <laughs> okay, then. Look. We could go down the rabbit hole, or dragon hole as it is, of a bad dragon, or some of the more artisanal shops, but I don't think we want to do that right now. Um, I mean, I had a final joke for this, but after this segment, I don't think it's, uh, it's as effective, so let's... I think we need to take drowning lessons here. <laughs> Fun fact, despite living in California, I cannot swim, so way ahead of you. I can sort of swim, but just the, the like, dog thing, where you just paddle, like, very quickly and you look really silly. But also, like, I'm trans, so I'm never going to a beach ever again in my life. I am a goth, so I was never going to do that to begin with. I mean, I haven't been to a beach since I was... I haven't been to a beach since I was... 12? So yeah. yeah. What if you go in black clothes and a trench coat after dark when the moon's up? I mean, that... I don't see the point in that, but sure. But you stand around and you commiserate and talk about how society sucks, man. That is, that is fair. I'm just too wide for a trench coat. I don't think it will look good on me. If Kevin Smith could wear a trench coat for decades, you'll be fine. 
I would rather not look like Kevin Smith. <laughs> you know? I'm just saying, if he pulled it off with shorts underneath, I don't think you're too wide for a trench coat. Look, give me, like, a really, like, cool goth dress, and, like, I'm into that, but trench coat? Like, no. All right. Anyway, this song is hilarious because apparently someone was asking Gerard Way about their early catalog, and his only response to this song was, Dude, Drowning Lessons. It sounds like a goth version of Saves the Day. Ha ha ha. Ah, does it? I just love that that's what you hear when you revisit your own music. Yeah, I mean, they did change a lot of uh, sound. I don't know, does that sound like Save the Day? I don't know about that. I guess I could see it in the guitar. I think that guitar riff is sort of Save the Day-ish, but it reminded me more of Thursday to me. Like, that riff felt a lot more like the more melodic parts of Thursday. This is definitely uh, one of those, like, you know, melodic, 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 and now we go fast. And again, I do more, my comparison here is still more like, you know, the riff feels very Thursday and the um, faster bit of the song is very Taking Back Sunday. Like, I could definitely see them doing this bit in the song. And despite the mixing still being, like, abysmal, I really like this song. This is just, like, solid emo pop, like, from 2002. I don't think they still have come on their own. They're still, like, aping the styles of those bands. They're still aping the styles of those bands. But they're doing it really well in this song. I think this is a really enjoyable song with a good energy. I like the alternance of the quieter, like, more melodic bits and the faster bits. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I I really like the drummer in all of this record. Uh, the guitar player could use some work but yeah also the center chunk of this song has a very pop punk energy as opposed to the incredibly dour bits that we've been dealing with for a bit and this is where the murder counter goes up because depending on how you want to read this song it is either revisiting one kill over and over or killing a lot of people in the name of a dead lover and if you say, all I'm asking for is a thousand bodies piled up, I never thought would be enough to show you just what I've been thinking. And I'll keep on making more just to prove that I adore every inch of sanity. Yeah, it's very edgy stuff. Like, I don't know if I would call Gerard Way a good songwriter, but he's a songwriter that knows his audience. And... I do not think they need their metaphor license revoked on this album. Let's put it that way. Everything stays consistent. I feel that, like, I don't know. A lot of the songs, even when they get a bit icky, they're always, like, there's always this theatricity to them that makes them less, just, like, feel less bad and less just gross. It's like, this is clearly, like, it's, it's sort of like when we were talking about Finch, there is... This is clearly someone trying to be edgy rather than someone being sincere and being really awful. This is more like expression rather than, you know, yeah. my girlfriend is a bitch. <laughs> Interestingly enough on that, this is another one of those times that uh, this album was big enough and had a certain level of teen involved in it that it has a lot of genius annotations. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, everyone loves My Chemical Romance. They turn, like, half of their audience trans. That's, you know, that's to be expected. Oh, is that why I thought it was all the Sailor Moon I bought? I mean, it's 
you know, it, it depends on your age. It's like either Sailor Moon or My Chemical Romance or Kingdom Hearts. Those are like the things. I think I'm going to blame Ranma and Sailor Moon here. Yeah. I think I came at this from a weeb version. Yeah, I also used to watch Ranma as a kid. We, we got it on like really shitty like local TV stations. There's literally a crate of the manga over here that's just at the other end of my room. Uh, but the reason I point out the annotations and everything is the people who are trying to figure out all the meanings of this song and then tracing all the references throughout the band's career to a figure that might be one woman, might be multiple, which just amused the hell out of me. Oh yeah, it's th- there's a whole, like meta plot that has been mostly made up by the fans for these two records? Alternatively, this could be referring to someone named Kat. It is believed she was a girlfriend of Gerard's, but she was never mentioned besides a side note in Bullets that read, To Kay, I'm sorry I wrote all this stuff about killing you. I hope the last song makes up for it. An additional message addressed to Katmandu can be found in the Black Parade, but it remains unknown if this is the same person. Oh yeah, this is a new level of uh of I, I didn't I didn't know this, but there's also like a meta plot theory where like this is supposed to be a record about two like Bonnie and Clyde type figures and she dies at the end, and that's why the next record is about killing a thousand uh people for the devil. Huh. It is very loose. I don't think it has ever been confirmed, and I think it's mostly bullshit, because this is definitely not a narrative record, this is a bunch of songs, but I find the cultural tendencies of people of seeking, like, absurd patterns in this way, like, sort of fascinating. It's like, everyone always wants to make everything a universe, and that's sort of great, because, like, when people do it with Pixar and shit like that, you're like... Well, this is clearly a clickbait thing, so it sort of sucks. But then you get to things like this, when people have done it from for these albums, and no one gives a shit. Like, you're not gonna make money with, like, Gerard Way lore videos, and people still go and try and find this connection and try and connect everything together, and that's like, God, is humanity awful and beautiful. That is my take from this. Huma- humans are dumb. They're like chickens. Look into their eyes and it's just like stupidity. Our Lady of Sorrow is a very Dark Souls title. You know, it is true, but also it's referencing uh, weird Catholicism shit. Alright. There's the Virgin Mary. So it's more of a Xenosaga kind of title, I guess? No, no. There's not a lot of Catholicism in that game except for the Space Pope, but he's a villain. Our Lady of Sorrows is an interesting short track. Uh, yeah, the chorus has a slower tempo, which is always cool. Like, that's always something that gets me. Oh, you're slowing the tempo of your chorus? That's cool. 
But yeah, it's sort of like a noise blob for me. Aside from that, I like it. I did have to, because of the poor mixing, look up the lyrics because I was afraid this was way kinkier than I thought. <laughs> okay. Do tell. Uh, there's a couple of lines. They are actually, if you would shed your yellow, take my hand, and then we'll solve the mystery of laceration gravity. I thought it was talking about piss play and lactation. <laughs> it's mixed really poorly. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Look, you have heard the exact same thing that I have about how the vocals go in and out behind the actual instruments. It turns out... Yes, my mind didn't go down at any point, though, so... I don't know, I think that's a you problem, to quote our missing host. Two deaths on this track, by the way. I mean, of course... And of course, like, again, I don't think, I, I don't think it's good to count because there's a lot of that in uh, My Chemical Romance record. Yeah, but it's my bit. Uh, I'm afraid you will have to use another cryptocurrency now that drug is awful. Because Bitcoin... <laughs> wow, wow, that's that one of the most a... hateful things you've ever said to me. <laughs> and it was also like an enormous stretch, so like, yeah, comedy... <laughs> Ellie just putting these switchblades through my heart like I was the Virgin Mary, which is what this song is about. Is it? Yeah, uh, Our Lady of Sorrows is usually a painting of Mary with seven swords piercing her. Oh, that sounds painful. Yep. Well, they are supposed to be seven events in her life that caused her great pain, like the death of Jesus. Speaking of deaths and the holy, how about we talk about Head First for Halos? Sure. That one is about suicide. down the electric banjo. <laughs> so this is the first time that My Chemical Romance does their like sort of march style kind of sound that they will do way better in uh, the Black Parade, in some songs on the Black Parade. Um, I don't know. Sort of, it's different. It's definitely different from everything that you would hear at the time. Hey, do you want to hear something cursed? Remember I mentioned Gerard Way was uh, revisiting his old material and just commenting on it? Yeah. His take on this song was, The song that changed everything, opened a lot of creative doors for us, wanted it to sound like thrash beetles. (laughs) I guess it makes sense. The Beatles sort of did a lot of that sort of marching band stuff. I guess? Imagine being proud of your band being thrash beetles i mean i like the beetles 
we, we will always we will always have conflict on this. I actually really like the Beatles. All I'm saying is all the wrong ones died first. Yeah, yeah. Paul is going to haunt us like the spirit of the fucking boomers until the last one croaks. Then he will turn into dust and all of his influence on the world will vanish. And he will leave behind seven wives half his age. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, this song has a very cheesy intro. It's like an 80s hair metal intro, almost. That's what I meant about the electric banjo. The instrumental on this is weird. Yeah, a lot of this song is weird. I don't think it fully works, but it, again, it was definitely different. Like... I I can see why Gerard Way says that the song opened them a lot of doors because you listen to the song and you're like, oh, these people are doing something different from everyone else, and I could see why like these songs might be part of why they got like a major label contract and why they got to do like the Black Parade later. This is like again not great, but in the context of their discography, it's like where you see oh, these people had like. A couple more ideas than a lot of their contemporaries. You describe it as a marching band sound. I thought pep rally. So yeah, I think that... Sure. I think we're definitely on the same page here. I don't know what a pep rally is. Oh, a pep rally is when the school band comes out and does a show at halftime during sports events. And it's usually very... A lot of teens doing things in unison in a very military-like fashion. Probably marching band is a part of it. I, I don't know. I just thought it had more of a we've got gymnasts with batons thing going on. No, no, I get it. It's just that's just not a thing here. Got it. Uh, but yeah, no, this is an interesting song. And, um, and it's followed by a 9-11 song. barely a joke about how much 9-11 started this band earlier and then they just went out and said it. I mean that's the actual reason they started the band so you know. I know, I know. It's just like yeah we were we were inspired by this but then you wrote a song about it as well. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, I love this song. This song has a really great chorus, and the only problem is that, as always, they don't really emphasize the chorus. They haven't learned to do that yet. But this is a fun song. Solid chorus, good energy, fast. I like it. His voice jumps an entire register on this track. <laughs> it does. That's it. That's all we have. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, do I make 9-11 jokes when I already burned through them in the intro? <laughs> it's it, like it really is this is steel corpses stretch out towards an ending sun scorched and black it reaches in and tears your flesh apart as ice cold hands rip into your heart can we still reclaim our innocence 
And if the world needs something better, let's give them one more reason now. I'll be honest, like, the 9-11 was a tragedy, okay? It was awful, people died. I'm so tired of Americans talking about 9-11. Like, the same level of fucking destruction happens because of America carelessness in their foreign conflicts. Like, every fucking three weeks somewhere there is not America, but it happens once in America and everyone just writes country songs about it for a decade? Fuck off. I have terrible news for you. Yeah? You know that in two months, we're at the 20th anniversary, right? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh. (laughs) I don't know. The thing is that I will in no way defend my country on this. We all got pretty fucking deranged after that. Uh, I think I remember this more clearly than an Adam would, given my age. But it's not going to go away for another 20 years. There's going to have to be some die-off before it stops being flogged continuously. I'm sorry. Anyhow, this has gotten depressing. We move on. We should move on. We move on to early sunsets over Monroeville, is what we do. sort of not a good song like what if you took the shitty obligatory ballad from like every record of this kind and just made the voice really weirdly balanced and apply like a weird effect on it so part of why that is is this is the track that frank iero actually had a hold of really it's his only influence on the album The whole thing comes out of a reference to Dawn of the Dead, the Monroeville Mall, and it's got a weird surf rock vibe to it. Does it? I think that's what it sounds like. Okay. It becomes very frantic by the end, but yeah, no, this this does not start out with the same energy or speed, or... Yeah, I mean, this is more a ballad than anything else. Like, I like it at the end, where the voice sort of is more clean, and you it's more clean, and you get, like, the usual Gerard Way wailing. I think the end is fine, but... I don't know. All of the slow, ballady parts are sort of not for me, especially with that voice effect. Eh, I don't know. It... It's not one of my favorite on the album. I would say it's the draggiest of the three long songs. But it's also distinct in a way where I cannot hate it. Okay, that's fair. Because again, it starts out sounding very California, and the end of it really builds to a tension and a getting under your skin that I don't think a lot of the other stuff... Everything else on this album st- 
starts abrasive. This one goes in and eases you in and has a sense of dread to it. I like it. Okay. Well, I appreciate you liking it. It was sort of boring to me. I think this sort of the this coda of the album, the last three or so tracks, none of them really worked for me. But yeah. Interesting. Let's talk about this is the best day ever. this this is my favorite track on the album oh this is a twisted love song it's very energetic i actually love what it's going for because it's hey we're we're here in this hospital stuck together and we've got this growing bond and we we've got to get out one day one day we're gonna do it we're just gonna run away from this even though both of them realize, no, we will die here. We can only live in this sterile, machine-like environment, pumping our hearts and feeding our lungs. I am, I am, I am, ju- I am just imagining one of those phone bed memes. Fat to death, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is like I get like in the songwriting here, but this just feels like too muddy and too unfocused for me to enjoy it. I think this is the point where like the production really got me and how they're not yet doing really great choruses really got me. I don't know. They're not... There is a way to make this kind of music and make it like sort of sound rough and make it sound unstructured in a really interesting way. But a lot of that comes down to like being really good at playing your instrument where you don't need the chorus, you don't need the pop structure, you don't need to like really emphasize chorus and melody and like, you know, vocals. And I don't think they're there and I don't think they're going there because the next record is very different from this. Um, So this at this point doesn't really work for me. I think, again, it's not poppy enough and it's not polished enough for me to grab me but i get why you like like there is good in here right again it's my favorite track and i think a lot of that comes down to the fact that this is distinct i think this back half is a lot more experimental nothing fails for me there's nothing that i can look at and go oh this is an anchor weighing this whole album down and i really get into that sense of experimentation, a new band not letting their style just become, we're going to do three singles and then five of the same song over and over. It's it's good. Everything on this back chunk leaves me really excited to see what the album you like is like. If this is the one that you're like, oh, it's so rough and nothing's working yet. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you want me to really bring you down? Okay. Let's talk about Cubicles, the Dilbert anthem.
before I start this, what do you think of this track? Because I'm going to go down some crazy rabbit holes. Uh, mine, I have only one note here, and it's like, think I'm going to die alone repeated over and over. That's the mood, dude. <laughs> All right. So the entire plot of this song is that someone at an office has just really developed this unhealthy fixation on one of their co-workers a few cubicles down and then they get fired or they go to another job or whatever and this person just starts having a complete breakdown and imagining this whole life but it all comes back to the fact that there is an empty cubicle it's not I will go look for you it's not I will ask anyone what happened to you I may have never interacted with you. This is what I imagine the existential hell of being a Dilbert is. You live at this job. You have no life outside of this job. The only way you can ever get romance is if something comes in and breaks up the monotony of the four panels that you live inside day after day after day. But when that storyline is over and that character is gone and will never be returned again, Suddenly there's the void. This is what it is like to live in the diseased mind of a Scott Adams, of a corporate drone, the kind of person who can't imagine anything better. This is what a love song looks like if all of your job is work, if you have no social life, if you have nothing to escape the cubicle. Okay, then. I love it. I think this sounded nice. Yeah. It's just amazing. Like, when you are at the point of creating a whole world in your head where if someone stayed at a job, you could have gone on to have a whirlwind romance and gone around the world and enjoyed sights that you may have never seen, but they're gone and, quote, and they might fill your place with a temporary stand-in for your face. You don't imagine there will be a second person you like to work with. You don't imagine. You just don't imagine. This is the Dilbert Anthem. I love it. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have you on this podcast, Sable. I don't think I would have ever come up with that uh, myself. It's... Here's the thing. It's not even... I was thinking of it at first as it's it's a bit incelly, but no, there's no there's no disgust toward the coworker for leaving. There's no you did this, you left me here. It's just there's a void because you can't assign blame to something like this, or else you have to start thinking about any other slight, anything else that has been unpleasant in your life. And it's that lack of imagination that's so wild. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't think the Dilbert connection was the intention of the song, but yeah, I get it. Oh, I guarantee it wasn't, but it just paints such a picture for me. No, that's fair. Uh, I don't know if I, 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 I cannot, you know. After you, after this, I cannot really measure up to that. I don't think I have anything else smart to say about this. Well, how about we talk about how the song, the album ends with Demolition Lovers, which is apparently 
the prequel or the next episode preview for their second album. Yeah, so Demolition Lover, musically, like, this has a really interesting mood. It's a bit more moody, but I don't think it does anything for me melodically, but I do like it as a closer. I think it's a very moody and, like, it goes through different, like, bits closer. It's not super coherent, but it does its job. So, this sounds like a band who was around at this time, and um, if you're familiar with them, you're probably going to be very mad at me for this comparison, but Demolition Lover sounds like the new metal band Cold. Why? Why does this remind you of My Chemical Romance? Just this last track. Why? I don't know, that's just what the sound brings to mind. Okay. I don't agree. It definitely feels the same way, especially when we get to... All we are is bullets, I mean this, over and over. No, I don't have a lot to say about this song, to be honest. It has a weird bit at the end where it seems like it's stopping and then it goes into an additional guitar bit. Mm hmm. And so this and closer. I, I don't see the association with a uh, stupid girl by cold, but, you know. This is where I started thinking of them as very prog-like, because this is a long track that cycles through different sounds, and now I know that it's explicitly leading into a story album. So it's like, yeah, no, this is exactly what I expect out of this band. This is them turning into the thing I recognize them as. Loving it. That, that is fair. Um, yeah, it's fine. I, I don't love it that much because I don't think all of the different sounds really cohere in any way, but I don't hate it. And I would hold a bit on calling the next album a story album. It is sort of a story album, but it's not... It is not the Black Parade and it is not the, the other one. Like, they're Kill still Joyce. not that... Yeah, they're still not that narrative. Okay. But yeah, there's definitely more of a... Like, the, the story on the next album is more believable that there is a story at all than this album. Like, when people claim that this album has a story, it's like... No, uh, but there's definitely more of an argument for the next album, but yeah. Crawl till dawn, on my hands and knees, God damn these vampires, for what they've done to me. So, final thoughts on the record. That was fun. That was incredibly fun, very rough, but I see a lot of what I know this band for, and I'm intrigued by the fact that this sort of thing 
was a proto homestuck for a lot of teens a generation prior. <laughs> what? They made up a whole they made up a whole meta narrative that may or may not have been there through a bunch of albums. You're not wrong if the thing, it's just funny. <laughs> this is the same hot topic influence that led to the sort of thing that, you know, teens go and I made a troll Sona. Yeah, I made a murder Sona. That 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 is fair. I'm just sad that we don't have the actual person who was into Homestuck here to talk about this. I learned horrible things about that this week that I never knew, so that's why that was on my mind. Um, final thoughts on the record. Um, it's a 2.5 out of 5 for me, I think. It's not quite there, but it definitely shows promise. I I don't think it's a three for me. I think it's sort of like the used. It's not there, but I see the promise in this band. I mean, I know the promise in this band. I really like their next record. So next week is where we will be introducing the first skipping some albums because we can't do anything with them. And we're going to jump ahead to Bowling for Soups Drunk Enough to Dance. Yeah, unless we decide to do some special episodes. Which we might. It's year two. We're playing around with the format. Same song, different chorus. It's stupid, contagious, to be broken, famous. Can someone please save us from Pop Rock 101? So, this was an episode. It certainly was. We learned many things today, including how people interact with Sybil's sex toys. Sometimes people just see a thing that is multicolored and they don't recognize the shape and they're like, let me hold this and figure it out. Like it's a weird museum piece. <laughs> sure. Uh, if you want to listen to more of this for some reason, we are at getoutofthistown.com. That is our website. Um, don't listen to Sable, who still doesn't think you should go there. Go there. Don't, don't let Sable tell you what to do. Or do, if that's your thing. I don't know. Um, if that's your thing, pay me. You can <laughs> you can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us how you feel about the uh, new format we're going through and changing up the show. We'd love to hear some feedback. I feel we haven't yet changed anything about from the one episode where you were talking about yourself about Ska for 20 minutes. Well, we've been discussing it. I felt we had to break the news to the kids somehow. Hey, kids, your mom and your mom and your dad and I are uh, just talking about making some changes here on uh, Gotta Get Out of This Town. And, you know, it's okay. We still love you very much. We're still glad to have you around. We want to we wanna keep you in our lives, but, you know, maybe some weeks, uh, some weeks Adam's just gonna, just gonna do things. It's okay. Adam's not gone. <laughs> Adam will be back eventually. Having trouble with his laptop. Um, GGOTT podcast is our Twitter. If you at us, you can, I don't know, tell us things. It's the same as an email, but worse for your health. iTunes, part of, do you remember when social media wasn't a thing? I think the word was better. Yeah, me too. Well, I guess not. I guess, yeah, no, no. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play. If you go into those things and there is a thing that tells you to rate and review us, please do it. Especially if you're like, you know, on iTunes or 
April podcast, how they call it today. If you're a Nielsen please family, please talk about our podcast. What? Right, I guess that wouldn't be a thing outside of the U.S. Uh, Nielsen ratings are a radio and television thing that is opt-in and how they track the ratings of how many people watched something. It's estimated based on the families they give a logbook to each week. We do have that in Italy. It's just called uh, Auditel. Yeah, yeah. I, I figured it would be a different company handling it out internationally. Yeah, but yeah, do leave us a written review. We don't have many of those, and I know there are at least like 20 people listen to us, so, you know, some of you are slacking. Some of you aren't leaving reviews. Cannot complain if the quality of the podcast drops if you don't leave reviews. Please review us. We love you. Uh, next week, there will be something. And let's finish this. Do you have anything to plug, Sebel? You can find all of my projects at hellscaper.com. And you can as always find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon. But if you bring us either your bullets or your love, we'll bring you our podcast. So, you know, that was a really easy joke this week. Bye. See ya. Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pocket and get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.